Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Hawkeye fans. Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register with Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register. Tyler, uh, a busy day, a funny day of Hawkeye football <laughs> interviews. I'm trying to decide if Nico Ragaini's little mini rant or Cade McNamara's uh, faux pas, I guess you would call it, <laughs> was more amusing. I mean, here's what I would say to everyone out there. You know, go ahead and search on Twitter if you want for both of those things. We're not going to repeat probably either of them here, but they're funny. And I would just say overall, didn't you feel like the Hawkeyes were in a pretty good mood after beating Iowa State on Saturday? Yeah, I think those two kind of interviews were pretty representative of just the lighthearted vibe, I guess. Felt like good energy all around. But, no, I just saw you posted about the uh, Cades thing, <laughs> which was funny live. But he was like, please do not put that out there. But I guess it's out there. So, Yeah, I mean, it's on – it's basically, I think, live streamed anyway. So, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Check it. I just uh, it's on my Twitter feed now. I didn't post it, but I just posted someone else's thing just because the the way that the video was edited was actually even more funny. And I feel like I feel like Cade is just becoming more and more likable. We're gonna get to Cade later in the show in more depth, but I I feel like Iowa fans are really gravitating towards Cade, his personality, what he brings to the pocket. <laughs> and I almost feel like this video today almost like humanizes him a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I could see some people being like, I don't know, whatever, weirded out, weirded out by it, but it was it was funnier than heck. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it's also a reflection of like talking I talked to his dad before the season started and of just like how happy he is to be at Iowa, just like how excited he is to be the sort of, I guess you could call him face of the program, but that his kind of winding journey, especially in college, has led him here. So it, it feels like from what we've been hearing of like, he's excited to be here. It, he he genuinely does seem like he's loose and having a good time and having fun. So, Yeah, and he's feeling better. We'll get to that a little bit later, but obviously, you know, the Cade McNamara storyline, Tyler, huge offseason uh, deal, but probably the biggest offseason storyline, the sports gambling probe has essentially come to its conclusion almost on the same week, simultaneously, almost the same day. As in one breath, the Hawkeyes get back Jamari Harris from a two-game suspension. He is now thrust into a starting role at right cornerback, pushing Deshaun Lee to the bench, so to speak. I'm sure he'll still be on special teams and in dime packages and available to come in at any point. But uh, the other side of that is Noah Shannon's NCAA appeal has been denied. He is now done for his Hawkeye career, came back for his sixth year senior season, uh, is out for the year. You know, that, that eligibility is now gone. Uh, he will remain with the team and uh, help out the younger guys. They're going to put him to work, Kirk Ferentz said. But uh, I guess it was just sort of some finality to it, Tyler. And, um, you know, Kirk Ferentz, uh, you know, has been pretty consistent, I would say, 
in his criticism of the NCAA, wanting them to take a harder look at this. And clearly, Iowa did not get what it wanted. So uh, Noah Shannon will not play for the Hawkeyes anymore. Bummer for him. Bummer for the Hawkeyes. And, um, you know, uh, any any thoughts you have on that? No, yeah, I just think it's – I mean, it's a tricky situation, but it, it's hard not to feel for Noah Shannon. And one of the things Kirk Ferentz talked about today was just like – kind of the human aspect of it. And I think it's easy, especially in a sport like football where guys have helmets on, you don't even really, it's difficult to see their faces. It's, it's, it feels like there's a real barrier between fans and players that to understand that there's someone under that helmet that is dealing with not Noah Shannon is there's a person dealing with having his kind of final run as a Hawkeye taken away. So um, from the human, you know, kind of interest aspect of it, that it's it's hard not to feel for him. But I also think that from the Jamari Harris return side, side of things, I think that in the future, down the road in the season, we might actually look at, at Jamari Harris being out for two games as a possible benefit. Obviously, I don't think you want him to miss time, but I think Deshaun Lee's emerges, emergence in those two games and what he did actually kind of answered some questions about Iowa secondary because with Riley Moss leaving, you kind of were wondering who was going to step into that role. And even with a guy like Jamari Harris, he hasn't played since uh, 2021. So you're wondering whether uh, he would be capable and kind of be able to come back up to speed, but he misses the first two games. Deshaun Lee, I think did a really good job. And so now you have the, I guess, predicament of having too many possibly good, you know, guys to put in that role uh, on the other side of Cooper to Gene. So I think it's a good problem to have. I think it also gives possibly Iowa some more positional flexibility because uh, there was, I think it was brief, but there was time against Iowa state where uh, Cooper to Gene, Deshaun Lee and TJ Hall were all on the same, uh, were on the field at the same time. So I think that uh, you could possibly if needed put, uh, Jamari Harris, Deshaun Lee, and Cooper DeGene on the field at the same time to give some more ple- uh, positional flexibility if teams decide to go more spread out with more receivers to take Nick Jackson out of pass coverage, which was exploited against uh, Utah State. So um, while I think at the beginning of the, of the season you say it wasn't, you know, you don't want Jamari Harris to miss time, I think that down the road it could actually end up be- benefiting Iowa. Yeah, let's stick to the Harris top line of uh, discussion here. Maybe we'll circle back with Noah Shannon, but uh, it was a very good point you just made, Tyler, because, uh, you know, that you're, you're talking about dime defense potentially. We did see that. That's, you know, you would assume probably that, that Deshaun Lee now goes ahead of TJ Hall when, when that package comes out. But uh, at the same time, you know, if there are uh, – I've always advocated a top six the way the way Phil Parker plays, and that's why they went to the transfer portal trying to find that third cornerback. You know, this offseason they knew probably Jamari was going to be out for a little bit and uh, needed some help in the portal. Didn't end up getting it, but now you got Deshaun Lee ends up kind of being your answer. So here's what here's all the machinations I guess that could could happen. Let's say Sebastian Castro gets hurt. Well, Cooper DeGene just goes straight to Cash. And you got Jermari and Deshaun at, at corner. That's that's probably a pretty simple solution. Let's say Xavier Wampa gets hurt. Well, move Castro back to safety, Cooper to the cash, you know, Harrison Lee. Same thing with Quinn Schulte. You know, maybe he get what if he gets hurt? Well, you move 
Wampa back to free safety, Castro to strong safety, same deal. You get where I'm going with this. So, yeah, that that is really important when it when it comes to anybody getting hurt at any point. And of course, if Cooper gets hurt, <laughs> that's the worst case scenario out of all this. But if he gets hurt, then at least you feel better than you did last year against Nebraska when TJ Hall, you know, no criticism of him other than he was a true freshman trying to play in that situation against Trey Palmer, who I, you know, I've seen on the NFL games already, uh, you know, make him plays. So um, anyway, good thing. Uh, what Jamari has is bringing to the table, uh, talk to Jay Higgins about this, talk to others about this. Kirk Ferentz even spoke to this is just that veteran experience. Don't forget he had four interceptions in his six starts in that 2021 season when Riley Moss and Matt Hankins did get banged up in the second half of that year. So this is a guy that makes plays and frankly, the defense, you know, has one sack and two turnovers in two games. uh, They could use a playmaker. So from that sense, you get a veteran guy, a playmaker. Uh, I'm curious, just like you are, Tyler Lowe, to see, you know, is there any rust with Jamari? Is there, you know, how does he look out there? Because if Iowa has two really dominant corners, all of a sudden, you're feeling even better about this defense. And I think that the timing of when he's coming back is also good as well, because you're not throwing him first game back in since 2021 against Penn State in the wideout game in a tough atmosphere that – uh, you get to bring him back against Western Michigan, where maybe if he does make a mistake, it's not as, uh, you know, there were the repercussions of it won't be as drastic as if, you know, down the road. So I think the timing of it is good. I think that, and I thought he looked good in the kids day at Kinnick thing. I, he had an interception. Uh, I think Kirk Ferentz mentioned that in the spring when he was kind of coming back, uh, it felt like he was trying to kind of do too much uh, because he was working back that he was maybe trying to force some things, but he felt like as it moved closer, um, you know, into the late summer and lead up to the season that he had kind of uh, started to find his rhythm again. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how, because that's a long time of not playing, you know, not playing all the way back since since 2021, because we've talked about Cade McNamara, you know, he played three games in 2022, and that was still a long time for him to come back to the field. So this is someone that's uh, been away from live action football for even longer. Um, I think the benefit of it, though, is now, you know, you have Deshaun Lee and that's someone that if, if Jamar Harris is struggling, you can plug in, plug him in uh, and maybe even platoon it to give guys more rest. You mentioned, you know, if there's injuries to be able to reshuffle, but uh, even keeping guys fresh on the defensive side, if everyone's healthy, that uh, you can, you know, maybe give Cooper to Gene a little bit more of a rest if possible, because he's also returning punts. So I think the, the ripple effects of what Deshaun Lee did in his first two games, if he's able to sustain that, but I think the ripple effects of it, of just giving Iowa the ability to kind of play chess a little bit more on defense with the pieces it has, um, I think is really important. So Noah Shannon, um, you know, we'll be working with the younger guys. Uh, he's going to stay with the team, engage with the team. Uh, I think that's that's really positive. It speaks to his character, speaks to how I was standing by him. And just to, to kind of fold the two gambling suspensions together here, you know, Iowa has not treated Jamari Harris as a suspended player during this time off. Uh, Ferentz kind of no, noting that today in the press conference. Um, obviously, the same goes with Shannon, but – uh, you know, normally if a guy is suspended for any team violation of policy, they'll put him on the scout team while he's suspended. 
that's not been the case with Jamari Harris. Uh, you know, I think that's that goes to show that that Ference thinks this is kind of silly that they are uh, being punished the way they are. Um, but uh, anyway, so Shannon will work with you know the young guys, Chase Brackney, uh, uh, Maddox, Maddox uh, Borchering, uh, the defensive tackle, and then uh, who am I forget? Oh, Kenneth Mer- Merriweather. It's kind of those are the three like true freshmen. He's kind of taken under his wing, so to speak. So I think it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a cool, inspiring um, story that uh, I got, I mean, it could be inspiring, could be kind of cool just to see him on the sideline, coaching guys up, even during games, whatnot. Um, I mean, just first-class guy, Noah Shannon, feel, feel pretty, I feel bad for him, obviously. And, you know, I hope this isn't the last time we've heard from Noah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a really valuable asset to have um, having a guy that has so recently played in college and has a lot of experience. And even though you don't have him on the field uh, to be able to kind of have his experiences, because I know he had said at uh, Iowa football's media day of just him wanting to be able to mentor the younger, you know, other guys in the room. Um, So I feel like he can still have the impact on the team and I'm sure that's probably what he wants to do, even though he can't be on the field. Uh, but it also kind of moves the spotlight more to some of the other guys uh, who had been replacing him. And now we know that are going to need to the rest of the season. Guys like Aaron Graves, uh, Jeremiah Pittman, YA Black. Um, the, there's more, I guess I would say, probably at least the pressure on them to know that they're going to be uh, the guys moving forward, there's not going to be a Noah Shannon coming back mid late season. So, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't been really overly impressed by, I was, uh, pass, pass rush and the, what the D line has done, uh, after the Utah state game, I feel like some of what played into that was just how quickly Utah state was getting the ball out. So it was difficult to get pressure. Um, I think I was, you know, the D line has, it's been good enough stopping the run. Uh, I think Joe Evans has been really good. I think Deontay Craig has been really good. Uh, Logan Lee, big game uh, against Iowa State. But uh, now I think you're gonna you're gonna need to see some of those younger guys stepping up consistently because now we know uh, you know Noah Shannon won't be coming back. So yeah, uh, we saw Wyatt Black get get kind of the lion's share of the number two defensive tackle. Uh, reps, uh, Logan Lee played the most, then Black. Aaron Graves, I think, only played 25 snaps against Iowa State and Jeremiah Pittman 16. So they're definitely telling you there that they they like Logan Lee and Y.A. Black right now as their top two entrusted moments and kind of interesting that Max Llewellyn didn't play on defense at all the other day. So they went with three defensive ends. So um, it shows they can play with a smaller rotation, but they're – We'll, I think this Saturday will be a chance for some of those younger guys, you know, Graves, Pittman, maybe even Ontario Thompson, somebody like that to get some more reps at D-tackle. Hopefully if I was up big and uh, can relax with a lead in the second half. Uh, let's go to our second topic, uh, which I kind of just <laughs> – I just kind of marked on our little rundown as Rick, uh, Rick Regaini's F-bombs. So uh, he <laughs> – just kind of a fun side topic here, but it gets into a more serious discussion about wide receiver uh, usage. The wide receivers, uh, quote unquote, only eight catches for 106 yards through two games. Obviously, that's not 
quite the production that that they would want. Nico has four. Seth Anderson has three. And Deontay Vines, one. Caleb Brown, zero. Uh, you know, Caden Weechin has a few carries in there as well. But uh, those are the only wide receiver receptions so far. But uh, where I was going with the, the F-bombs was, you know, Nico had some pointed words about the pass interference call, um, which I have absolutely no problem with. It was one of the worst non-calls, um, I think, pretty much I've seen since I've been on the beat. I mean, to get yanked down while the ball is in the air and have absolutely no call, not even a discussion like that. The officials didn't even discuss. It was just like, it's a turnover. <laughs> and uh, as Nico said, ball don't lie. A lot of the guys said that two plays later, Iowa gets the pick six anyway. But uh, I don't know. What, what do you make of uh, Nico's kind of humorous comments today? Uh, but also, you know, pointed. Yeah, I think so. He first, you were in the group that he was first talking to. And then I had come after and someone asked him again about it. And he was just like, uh, yeah, he like, he swore on camera and he was like, uh, hopefully they don't like post it. But then he was like, this isn't the NBA. Like they can't find me. I mean, like the NCAA, NCAA isn't going to find me. So like, Post it. I don't care. But, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, he was just kind of showing his personality on, you know, and it wasn't a good call, but um, I think it also kind of just speaks to not maybe specifically that play, but just the wide receivers not having as big of a role so far. I don't think it's a lack of trying. There's been a lot of times where it's been, they've been really close to hitting deep plays like that against Iowa state. Um, you know, there were two instances I can think of one with Seth Anderson or yeah, with Seth Anderson, he just put his, uh, one of his, he put his defender in a blender, you know, had green grass in front of him. Cade McNamara missed him. It probably would have been a, a really long touchdown. Had he come down with it? Another one to Deontay Vines, that would have been another deep one as well that they weren't able to, you know, the timing was just a little bit off. Cade McNamara said after the game, he's got to buy Deontay Vines dinner today. Deontay Vines said he has not. Uh, Kate McNamara has not bought him dinner yet, but he's planning to run up the tab when he does. Um, but I think that it, it kind of speaks that it just feels like this offense is really close. It feels like there's a lot of times where the, the timing is just slightly off. It doesn't feel like the gap is really wide between Iowa kind Iowa being able to get things clicking. And I think it's, if you would if if I would you if this was last season, you would have loved to be in a situation where Iowa's offense was close, right? Because through the first two weeks of last season, the offense was not right. even close. No. Um, there there wasn't really any optimism at all. There was not really any hope. So I think the you can actually be encouraged in uh by the fact that Iowa is close to being to seeming like they're kind of figuring things out already this early in the season. And, and it's debatable based on how you see it. Of is I was, you know, are you content with what Iowa's offense is doing right now? Look, they they put up thirty seven points in two games. It's not great, but at the same time, there's it's not debatable that up to this point in the season they're better than last season. It's without a doubt Iowa's offense through the first two weeks of this season is better than last season. So, like I said, you can debate whether is it good enough. I don't know. Hope you know it might get better, but it's it's better than last season without a doubt. 
Yeah, Kirk Ferentz was asked about that directly today, and um, someone said, you know, the question was, with the offense, do you feel like it took another step? And he said, I do. I saw a lot of things that were encouraging. We're still not there yet. We're a more mature group, certainly, than we've been the last two years overall. Uh, so, you know, I, he's seeing progress. I mean, I I know, I know there's some emailers and and people and texters that you know want want me to blast the offense, but I. I I mean, objectively speaking, and you, you watched the games last year too. You're seeing, I do see progress year over year, and I do see reasons to be optimistic. And uh, I think we might as well just transition to our third topic right here, Tyler, because it it goes hand in hand, which is Cade McNamara's health. This is the first week uh, that he has taken part in a game week practice in a year. I mean, let that process. He has not been able to participate in a game week pra- practice in one year. And uh, that's unfortunate for the Hawkeyes that he, uh, you know, had a quad muscle injury on August 12th, which was exactly one month ago today. So it's been one month since he got hurt. He has not been practicing much, if at all, on game weeks. And now he is. So uh, that is a huge development. And that's the uh, that is directly from Kirk Ferentz. That that is a huge thing for this offense. So um I think it's a, a really big deal that we are where we are with Cade McNamara's health. And I think it's, uh, you know, we, I think I talked about last week, I can't remember if it was on the radio show or on this podcast, but I was like, if you get through Iowa state and Cade's still kind of having setbacks, whatever, like I would shut him down this week and try to beat Western Michigan with Deacon Hill. But the way it's going now, Tyler, this is uh, almost a best case scenario of where things could be after we saw him kind of retweak it during that Utah State game, is it not? I mean, we're basically 10 days after that game, and he's feeling really good. He's taking part in full practices. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that that right there, especially what we've seen from Cade so far, just composure in the pocket, accuracy when he has time. He has gotten time. I feel like uh, maybe I'm putting too much into it, but I feel like that's a, a really – exciting thing for Hawkeye fans just two weeks into the season. Yeah, I think what he's shown through the first two games is kind of emblematic of Iowa's offense as a whole, that he hasn't set the field on fire, but he's done enough to win. And I think that there's enough encouraging signs to believe that he can get a lot better and that there's potential there. But I think it's also like easy to forget that look, he played, he left the third game of, Michigan season last season in 2022 didn't play the rest of the season had knee surgery late in late that year um he said today because I because I had asked him he said that you know there was at some point he was basically just worried about bending his knee now he wasn't worried about football he was worried about could his knee bend and I think that's a really good thing to kind of keep in mind when he's only played two games back since then that that he had the setback at kids day at Kinnick. Uh, this is a new program with not only um, him being new, but also they, it's not the same receivers as last season. So you also have to factor in them bringing Caleb Brown, Seth Anderson, Eric, all this is a, this is a totally new group. And, and I understand the frustration of it because last season was last season and and it was not in any way the way people wanted the offense to look. So I understand, you know, the, the frustration about it, but I think it's also important to understand that 
try not to let that unit's what they did seep into your feelings about what's going on this season because it's a different group. Um, it's it's a new group, so it's not like I was trotting out the same exact unit as they were last season. Last season, the same result. So that's why, if it's not where you want it to be, I understand it's you know you can be frustrated, but I think it's just important to keep the perspective of who the guy that's throwing the ball, what he's been through this last year what this whole group dynamic looks like. They're still building chemistry. They had time leading up to the season that was that they weren't able to build that chemistry because Cade McNamara wasn't able to be on the field. Um, so I think it's just important to keep all of that in mind when you're kind of looking at the current state of Iowa's offense. Yeah, and it's a great week, you know, to, to I don't know if you want to say experiments, but uh, just sort of, let it loose uh, this week with Western Michigan, a team they gave up 45 first half points to Syracuse the other day uh, coming into town. Uh, I think we'll, we'll talk more about the matchup on, on Hawk central tomorrow night, but uh, I don't know. I just, while you were talking, it made me think of my own surgery that I had. Um, and I know, you know, we'd love to talk about tennis on this show, but <laughs> you know, for those, I think everyone, most people on here probably know I broke my leg and ankle during basketball season. And I had to have ankle surgery, and this has been seven months now. Okay, so, but when I first got back on the tennis court, which I just the main thing I wanted to do again, I'm in my late 40s here, not relating myself to a Division One athlete, but I just wanted to be back. I just wanted to like be back on the court, and I kind of relate that to what Cade's feeling and what he talked about today. He just wanted to be eventually be back on the field, and first couple of games, first couple of matches, I was not, and not myself. And that's just natural when you're coming out, out of surgery. Like I was hesitant. I was like, um, you know, not chasing balls because I didn't trust myself. I'm not saying that's where he's at, but I'm just saying when you're not feeling a hundred percent and you're still kind of working your way back into it, it's just not the same. And then by the end of the summer and you know, I, I'm honestly playing the best tennis I've ever played. So now <laughs> I know you're smiling. You had I'm to throw like, that in there. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, let me just post my scores here quick. No, Playing I'm, at better level right now. No, yeah. No, I just say it like I get it. Like I feel like it's resonating with me that now he's practicing fully. Like it's like he's getting on the court more than once a week, you know. Like now he's going to start feeling a rhythm. Now, now you, you should be able to see some rhythm with receivers. And that's why this is a really good week, I think, for for that connection to – Hopefully, if you're a Hawkeye supporter, kind of reignite, you know, what, you know, can he, you know, throw six times to Deontay Vines this week, you know, and connect on five of them, you know, Seth Anderson, does he hit that deep ball? You know, Nico, is he a, a guy in the slot? You know, is, is this a, you know, I don't know. I, I could just see them throwing a lot this week um, just to kind of air it out, test it out. I know they want to get the run game established, but I feel like that passing game, is where this team can can really upgrade on offense this year. Yeah, and I think also just going back to what you're saying about the injury of like it's they're athletes that can do extraordinary things physically on the field, but like they're still human. It's not like they're robots to where whatever injury they had is fixed and magically they're back to exactly where they were before the injury. Like it th there is a certain mental hurdle and you know aspect that you have to take into account into these things. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the, you know, it feels, you know, I still, I know it's still early in the season. It feels like 
Cade basically can decide the ceiling of its of this team because I think that's where Iowa can be a lot improved from last season is the passing game and, and being able uh, to open things up more. So, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, – and as much as we've kind of seen the encouraging signs and stuff, I think you have to continue to see that progress because if we're having this same conversation a month from now, six weeks from now of – uh, they're just not quite there yet. They're close, but not clicking. Then I think there's reason for concern because at some point you have to see the, that progress start turning into more tangible results. So um, I think it's a you know this is a gr- this week is a great opportunity to kind of feel like you get over the hump a little bit and um, maybe able to experiment with things, maybe make some more mistakes, but also start to see maybe you know, the fruits of the, the labor of the, in the first two weeks start to kind of come to fruition. Got a text from a friend of mine that said, so happy your tennis game is on point. So I know at least somebody's listening out there. <laughs> oh man. All right. We can not talk about tennis anymore, but uh, so last year we cut, you know, when you say that Tyler, you weren't on the beat last year, but um, after two weeks last year, the, the narratives were somewhat similar in a way because you're like, okay, Nevada's coming to town. Here's a chance for the offense to bust out. And it was a weird game, yeah, but Iowa only scored 27 points in that game. You know, basically scored on big plays. Caleb Johnson had two big long runs, and I can't remember how they got the other touchdown, but um, it wasn't like the offense just looked like a machine. So um, I feel like this week three uptick in offense that we're waiting for it. This will be a good measuring stick because if we're under underwhelmed, maybe this week, it's going to remind me of last year. Like that should have been a warning sign last year for me that, yeah, I don't know about this offense. I mean, not that, not that I was like (laughs) sold on it or anything, but like, I I feel like we need to see a good offensive week from this team this week to just feel a little more vindicated, validated in, to the incremental progress we're seeing going into Penn state next week. And, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But uh, I feel like all in all, as we wrap up, Tyler, I feel like it's been a good four days for Hawkeye football, Saturday through Tuesday, Noah Shannon aside. And I don't want to get anyone mad at me for like, I'm not going to try to jinx this or anything, but I, you know, I think it's something that's worth mentioning is that, I was gotten through the first two games basically without any major injuries or like major setbacks. I think that's a major, you know, plus. And I think it feels like going into this Western Michigan game. I think if you want to look at it as a success, there's two things in my mind that stick out. One, I think you win handily. You see some encouraging signs from the offense and there's no major injury setbacks. I think to me, those are the, the most important things coming out of this week. Like, Kirk Ferentz isn't going to say we should roll over Western. Like he's not going to say we should roll over Western Michigan, but we can say they should win handily. Like that this feels sort of like the, the final last, you know, deep breath you can take before Iowa gets into the gauntlet of Penn state and, and all the other big 10 matchups. Um, so it feels like win the game handily and no injuries. If both of those things happen, the offense uh, puts you know continues to seem to make progress then I think that those are kind of the baseline of what needs to happen and if that if that is what happens it feels like that's kind of a success yeah great points Tyler I think the the betting line 
uh, would suggest maybe like a 35 to seven Hawkeye win as sort of what Vegas expects this week. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, if you're dreaming about a 59 to nothing game, Vegas even has Iowa as a 28 and a half point favorite, I believe, or 28. And it's over under 43. So low scoring yet. Uh, yeah, I, I just think they think Iowa defense is going to play well. Anyway, we'll get to the matchup tomorrow night on Hawk Central. Thank you for joining us on this YouTube version. We do this every Tuesday at 430. That's the plan every week um, uh, on our Hawk Central YouTube page. Um, and we do this uh, most weeks after after the games on Saturdays. Um, if not this, we'll do an audio version um, on some of these night games. But anyway, th thanks, Tyler. Great job today. For Tyler Tashman, this is Chad Leistico saying so long, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night on Hawk Central 106.3 KXNO. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.